0: Humans are naked, hiding and questioned by God. What hope do they have as they face the awful death penalty? Find out today on The Bible Brief. God had powerfully made all things. He'd prepared those things for the humans. And he'd given the humans purpose in the garden and in the world. But despite all this, mankind caused a problem. Well, not just a problem, the problem. The humans disobeyed God. They sinned against his authority and his order. Rather than ruling over the animals as God had commanded, instead one of those beasts of the field ruled over them, the crafty, deceptive serpent convinced the woman to follow his directions instead of God's. The man then took the fruit from his wife, and God's order of authority was exactly reversed. The animal had dominion over the woman. The woman took the man's role of leadership, and the man willingly rebelled against God's rule. Rather than fulfill their purpose in the garden to worship and obey as they ruled creation in the garden, the man and the woman decided to have it their own way. Instead of being content with the good that God had provided them, they wanted something more. The serpent suggested, God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to know what he knows. Well, they took the bait. And now they're naked, except for hastily sewn loincloths. And they're hiding from God. And God is walking in the garden. And we read this. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And what does the man say? Does he admit fault? Does he ask for forgiveness? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Instead of taking the blame as a leader, he attempts to shift the blame in two ways. First, the man says, The woman, she's the one who gave me the fruit from the forbidden tree. Don't ask me, ask her. But notice the second place where he shifts the blame. He says, The woman who you gave to be with me. Adam doesn't just blame the woman. He also blames God as if to say it's your fault god you were the one who put her in my life you were the one who created her don't you share some of the blame but instead of addressing these claims god simply turns to the woman and asks what is this that you have done and the woman said the serpent deceived me and i ate the woman to her credit tells the truth at least while she also blame shifts to the serpent He did deceive her to get her to eat from the tree. But then we hear God speak, and we hear his judgment upon these events and this first human sin. God starts with the curses on the deceiver. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now here we might just say, okay, the serpent has to live on his belly and in the dust. But then we find out the serpent is more than just a serpent. He's actually part of a war that will be waged for generations to come. Don't miss this part. God says this to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, let's dwell here for a moment, because if we miss this here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, if we miss this, we're going to miss part of the basis for the rest of the Bible story. In fact, there's so much packed into these few words that we're going to break it down into two parts. First, God says this, "'I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, "'and between your offspring and her offspring.'" A paraphrase might be like this. I will ensure that you and the woman are in constant battle. And not only that, but her offspring and your offspring will be in this constant battle as well. God here is saying that a long-term war is commencing. A war between the serpent and his offspring and the woman and her offspring. Now second, God says this. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Which is a very interesting phrase. This he that will bruise the head of the serpent is one of the woman's offspring. And this he is not going to bruise the offspring of the serpent, but the serpent itself. This he is going to defeat the deceiver. This adversary of God and of man will be defeated by a man who is an offspring of the woman. For now, we'll simply call this man the promised seed of the woman. Seed being another word for offspring that's used in the original Hebrew of the passage. The promised seed of the woman is going to come to defeat the deceiver. This is the first major forward-looking promise in the Bible. Right in the middle of the curse of the serpent is this ray of light for the future. That part of the curse of the serpent is ultimate defeat, and that defeat will come from a seed of the woman. But don't miss this very last part. He will bruise your head, and you, the serpent, shall bruise his heel. In the midst of defeat, the serpent is going to deal a blow against the seed of the woman too. Apparently a deathly blow, which serpents tend to do to the heels of a threatening human. The adversary of God, Satan, will be defeated by the seed of the woman, but it's going to cost the seed his life. Okay, so we have a significant stage set for the rest of the Bible story. A war between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And the ultimate battle between a particular male seed of the woman and the serpent himself. A battle which will end in the serpent's defeat at the cost of the seed's life. The epic story of the defeat of evil is just beginning. But God isn't done with his judgments on the man and the woman. Next, he addresses the woman, going up the hierarchy of authority, from beast to woman, and he will end with the man. Okay, so to the woman he says this, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Now this judgment on the woman is a bit simpler than the judgment on the serpent. God says you will have great pain in childbearing, and in the marriage relationship, you'll wish to dominate your husband, but he will be the authority over you nonetheless. The beauty and harmony of marriage and children is twisted as a result of sin. Yet hope remains, because it's through the bearing of children in this marriage relationship that the promised seed of the woman will ultimately come. In every painful childbirth, will come with it a whisper of hope. That the promised seed, the one who will finally defeat the serpent, will come. Next, God turns to Adam. And to Adam, he says this, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Again, we could paraphrase it like this. Since you listened to your wife and disobeyed my rule, I will curse the ground and make it difficult and toilsome for you to produce food from it. And ultimately, Just as you were created from dust, you'll return to it when you die. For his life, Adam will deal with difficult labor to produce food from the earth until he returns to the very same earth. If you've been to a graveside service recently for a loved one, perhaps you've heard the words that sort of echo this sentiment. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. A reminder that death itself is a consequence Of this great fall of man. Now, we need to say a few more words about death here. Do you remember what God said about eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He said, In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So, as readers of the Bible, we have to ask, What gives? It doesn't seem like they actually died that day in the narrative. Well, to understand the death penalty, we have to understand death itself first. According to the Bible, death is not a mere lack of existence. Rather, it's a kind of separation of things that are meant to be together. Death is a separation. And Adam and Eve did experience death in the day that they ate of the fruit. This is evidenced in them separating themselves from God and hiding from Him. Their relationship with God was torn apart, And now they were alienated from him, an alienation that would lead to suffering apart from God. This separation is called spiritual death, the separation of a person from God. Again, that's called spiritual death. And the second kind of death is one that is perhaps more tangible to us, a different kind of separation. Physical death is a separation of the body and the spirit. This is something we don't yet see in the garden, but it's anticipated in the judgment on Adam. His body will return to the dust from which it was created. This means that there will be a fundamental separation of the spirit of Adam from his body. His spirit will live on, while his body will decay in the dust. This is the death penalty. Spiritual death, which is separation of each sinner from God, and physical death, the separation of the body from the spirit. And this death penalty is perhaps the main problem of the Bible. This is the consequence of eating the fruit that affects the rest of humanity on down to today. This is the problem that you deal with and I deal with. Death. Separation. The tearing apart of what should be together. God and man should be together. Body and spirit should be together. But death separates. It's with this in mind, this main problem of the Bible, that Adam finally gives his wife a genuine name. The Bible says this The man called his wife's name Eve because she was mother of all living. Isn't that interesting? In the midst of the death penalty in full force, just after these curses, Adam names his wife, the mother of all living. He names his wife out of hope, a hope for the future, a hope for this seed of the woman who would finally defeat the serpent, a hope decreed by God that this coming seed, this offspring of the woman, this man, would come to defeat evil. And with evil's defeat, perhaps we'll see something else too perhaps we'll see the reversal of the problem. Maybe, just maybe, we'll see the death penalty reversed. Are you enjoying the show so far? Leave us a five-star review on your podcast app and tell your friends about The Bible Brief, helping you learn the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Join us next time in the next chapter of the Bible story as we see a picture of the hope of the Bible, a picture of death that brings life. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.